Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus and transform Hoxton. My name is Tash, and for those of you who don't know me, I am currently a master's student at King's College London. I'm doing a master's in religion, focused on biblical studies, and fingers crossed I'll find out in the next few weeks if I will become a biblical studies PhD student. So, I mean, we will see. We will see. So tonight, Stephen has asked me, I can't arrange all these books. There we go. Stephen has asked me to speak on jealousy. Now, jealousy is quite a complicated thing, even for us um, in today's day and age with our language. Um, jealousy can mean lots of different things, and we've got lots of different words for it. There's jealousy, there's envy, there's coveting, there's lots of different words, and that's the same in the Bible as well. Jealousy in the Bible can not only be a negative thing, as we would deem it today, it can also be deemed as a positive thing. And I wonder, how is jealousy positive? Or a few examples of jealousy being positive is when it's attributed to God, and God is called a jealous God. For example, we've got Exodus 20, verse 5, chapter 34, verse 4. 14, Deuteronomy 4, verses 23 to 24, 52, 16. In Psalms, God is made jealous on our behalf. In 1 Corinthians, we're talked about being bought for a price and God is jealous for us. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul says that he gets jealous with a godly jealousy. So jealousy can be a good thing, but obviously jealousy can also be a bad thing. And there are plenty of biblical little examples for when jealousy is a bad thing. In Proverbs, it says, peace gives life, but jealousy rots the bones. In Mark, it says jealousy is a bad thing and ruins lives, as well as in Job. In Exodus, there's loads of things we're told not to covet, which is to wish we had because we don't, which is jealousy. In Galatians, it talks about how jealousy is bad. And in 1 Corinthians, that big long list of what love should be, it said love should not envy. So, this big complicated thing, what is good jealousy, what is bad jealousy? In the Bible, there are three languages predominantly used. There's ancient Aramaic, which is only a little bit of the Bible. Um, There's ancient Hebrew, and then there's ancient Greek. In ancient Hebrew, the word for jealousy, so that's all, pretty much all of the Old Testament is ancient Hebrew. In ancient Hebrew, the word used for jealousy is the word kanar. And the word kanar appears in these good jealousy verses and these bad jealousy verses. In the New Testament, which is written predominantly in ancient Greek, the word for jealousy is zelo or zelon or zealous, which is where we get the word zealous and then jealousy. These two words are defined in dictionaries with two different sort of explanations, definitions. The first definition is to defend something that's yours or to defend a commitment that has been made for you. 
So, in the Old Testament, that word, kanah, that's used for jealousy, quite often is used in a way that describes spouses, so a husband and wife, and that's quite often a metaphor for God and Israel. And the way that word is used is that when, when Israel, um, or in the metaphors where the wife sort of starts lusting after other things, or in Israel's example starts idolizing other gods, worshipping other gods, God is described, or the husband is described, as getting jealous for Israel. So there's a kind of jealousy that is defending something that's yours, wanting something that is promised to be faithful to you, to stay faithful. A nice little example in one of these dictionaries is that this version of jealousy is like a mother bird protecting her nest when something tries to come and get it. It's that that passionate defense of, no, this is mine, stay away. Not in the way that we might have biscuits and say, this is mine, stay away. But in a, sort of, in, a, in a way that you would not want your partner to look at somebody else because they're yours, they've made a commitment to you. The way God doesn't want Israel to worship other gods because they're his, they've made a commitment to him. There is another definition for jealousy and I quite liked the way this one um, dictionary put it. It called it an intense interest for others' honour or prosperity. So there's this other kind of jealousy, which is this interest in others' prosperity, other people's honour, and this jealousy is centred around comparison. So jealousy is good when it's godly jealousy, when it's defending something that's ours, but it's not okay when jealousy becomes a form of comparison. A really good biblical verse that I think talks about this. Stephen was really worried I wouldn't talk about the Bible in this entire talk. A really good biblical passage. um, If you want to grab Bibles, they should be on the pews at the end of your rows. Is James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. So that's James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18. And the passage goes, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I think this passage when it talks about jealousy actually sets up a really good um, spectrum of what comparative thoughts can lead to. On the one side, when we compare ourselves, we can get to this bitter jealousy that the passage talks about. 
But comparison, let's face it, can also lead us to selfish ambition because we compare ourselves to others and go, oh, I wish I had what they had. But we can also compare ourselves to others and go, I'm much better than them. There's the they're great and I'm rubbish version of comparison or they're rubbish and I'm much, much better. And I don't know about you, but I am consistently comparing myself in these two different waves. I'm always falling somewhere on this spectrum. And I wondered why comparison seems to be something that human beings just really, really struggle with. It's been something that humans struggle with for as long as we can even remember. So I looked it up in a psychology journal. And the Journal of er 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 Experimental Social Psychology did a study um, called Dare to Compare, Fact-Based versus Stimulation-Based Comparison in Daily Life. And in this study, they found that the, the people who took part a minimum of 10% and quite often much over 10% of all their recorded thoughts in the day were comparative thoughts. It was them comparing themselves to others. So this shows that at least in these people, and I think it's probably indicative of all humans, we have this propensity to compare ourselves constantly, which can sometimes lead to jealousy and can sometimes lead to pride. But... When we compare ourselves, and when we compare ourselves and get prideful and think we're better than others, or compare ourselves and get jealous and think we're worse than others and wish, wish we had something that they had, I feel that the root of both of those things can quite often be fear. And we talked about fear last week. I think that when we compare ourselves and get jealous of other people, it's quite often because we're fearful that we're not good enough, that we're missing out on something, that we need something to make ourselves better, to make ourselves more pleasing to God, or just make ourselves more likeable. And the other side of comparison, I think, comes from a fear that we need to reassure ourselves that we are good enough. There's this fear that as long as I'm better than everybody else, and yes, I am better than everybody else, that, that means that we're reassuring ourselves that we're okay, that we're passable, that we'll get through, it's fine. And both of these thoughts, this fear of not being good enough and this fear of needing to make sure that we are good enough, both of these things are an attack on our understanding of God's good, jealous love for us. So this jealousy can be good and jealousy can be bad. And I think, for me, that's so indicative of the way the enemy can work so often. So often, the enemy takes something that is meant for good and twists it and manipulates it and makes it for bad. The jealousy that sometimes we feel is an attack on our understanding of God's jealous love for us. I think sometimes the enemy often tells us lies that are just almost the truth, but are not, and it's manipulated and changed. 
And I think this is hugely evidenced in the very first thing that the enemy says in the entire Bible, which is when the snake comes to Eve and goes, did God really say that? The enemy so often just puts this tiny little bit of doubt in our minds of, is God going to be faithful to his promise? Does God really love me the way he loves me? Does God really think I'm good enough the way I am? Am I really saved despite my iniquity? And that leads into this good and great promise of the jealous love of God being twisted by the enemy and ending up in our minds as this jealous comparison. Does that make sense? Is everybody sort of following me? I'm going to take those nods as a yes. So this is all well and good. Jealousy can be good. Jealousy can be bad. God's jealous love is good for us. Our comparative jealousy is bad. But Tash, I now know loads of theory on jealousy. What can I actually do to stop being jealous? And I think this verse in James actually has a really good sort of like set out of ways we can do it. Now I have to preface this, I am a biblical study student, not a counsellor. So what I'm going to like, what I'm going to say are things that I've used in my own life to try and stop myself, stop myself comparing myself, but I don't want to come across as I'm making blanket statements like I'm a counsellor. So please understand that when I make these suggestions, they might not be, they're not like, take it, do it. We all work out our own faith in fear and understanding. So what does James say about jealousy? But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. I think being false to the truth, for me, was definitely something that I needed to tackle when I started trying to really tackle um, the, the trouble I had with comparing myself and thoughts of jealousy. And the wording is weird, but it's essentially, be aware, we can so often, and I definitely did, didn't think I struggled with jealousy whatsoever. I didn't think I compared myself ever, until I suddenly had this moment where I actually thought about, how often do I, just those quiet little thoughts, think, oh, I wish I was like them. I wish I could have the public speaking skills of them. I wish I could wear those clothes that they do as nicely. I wish I could do this, do that, and so on. I suddenly had to become aware of if I was having those comparative thoughts and when I was having those comparative thoughts. The next thing I had to do in this be aware moment was identify what was actually setting off those comparative thoughts. And for, for me, one huge thing was social media. Um, because you, you go through it and you see all of these perfect lives and then you compare it to you in your pyjamas, like not having had a shower and just, you know, not having brushed your teeth and smelling a bit gross, um, which is how I spend most of my life. Um, 
so, so social media was something that quite often sent off these, set off these comparative thoughts in my mind. Another thing, and this is something, I'll be really honest, I still struggle really, really hard with to this day, is I really struggle comparing my academic success with other people's. And Beth and my flatmate can attest to this. I will get myself so worked up when I open a result. Quite often, will leave my results for weeks on end before I open them. And when I do, I'm shaking. I've thrown up. I've sort of like hyperventilated on the stairs. And then they've opened them and they've been fine. But, um, but this, I'm constantly terrified that I will not stand up academically next to people who are also doing the same thing as I am doing, um, to people that are doing the job that I want to do. I imagine them to be vastly more intelligent than I am. And quite often they are. Um, so I had to... So f for me... <laughs> how I try and try and tackle this um, issue that I have is I do something else that James talks about, which is, is, is pray about it. As I said before, jealousy, when we have comparative thoughts um, and compare ourselves to others and think there's a lack or think we're much better, that is an attack on our understanding of God's jealous love for us. So quite often, before my results, I will just have to sit and pray and try and remind myself of what God thinks about me. I won't pray for the result. I won't pray that it's good. I'll just have to sit there for a good long while just going, this result does have no effect on my value, on my worth to God. God has given me salvation and that's the best gift I could have been given. I have to stand up to the lie that says you're, you have to prove yourself to be good enough. God's love is not jealous for you. I have to stand up to that lie by just going, yes, it is, and I have it. I haven't had to earn it. I've just had to accept it. I'm loved. I'm accepted. And then we click and we find out the result. Sometimes, though, I mean, all this is well and good, but sometimes we end up in situations where we're comparing ourselves, which is unavoidable. And in all honesty, I, 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 as I said, I'm still struggling with a lot of this. I don't know how to navigate those scenarios in shops where we're comparing ourselves with images on the wall or in uh, every time I see Stephen and I just think, why am I not as much of a God on earth as said man? But... Um, Oh, no. Thanks, John. <laughs> um, oh, that's completely thrown me off. No. Oh, no. What have I done? Um, and quite often, I think in those situations, we've just got to, yeah, pray, keep in communication with God. Um, I've, I've had to sometimes just completely avoid the situations whatsoever because I know they're going to be triggering to me um, for this comparison. I've just got to go, actually, I can't do that right now. And the third thing, and what I think is actually one of the best ways um, to tackle this, these comparisons and these jealous thoughts and so on, is something we've already been doing, um, which is praise and gratitude and worship. 
When we worship and bring ourselves into a place of gratitude because of what God has done for us, because God has sent his son to die for us, because when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was thinking of you. And when he was resurrected, he did so, so that when death tried to claim you, he could turn around to death and go, no, this one's mine. When we are thankful and continue to try and bring ourselves into a place of thankfulness for that gift that we've been given, suddenly it's really hard to start thinking of yourself as unworthy and that you haven't got something. When we thank God for the gift of salvation and try and comprehend what an amazing gift that is, it's really hard sometimes, for me anyway, to then think, oh, but I don't have those grades that I wish I would have had because I have salvation. Does, does that make sense? Grand. So, jealousy can be good, God's jealous love for us, and jealousy can be bad, our comparative thoughts. And as we, as I begin to finish um, this talk, I was just wondering if there were any things that you could think in your life of where there might just be this tiny little lie that is saying that God's jealous love isn't enough for you and is causing you to be fearful about whether you're good enough for God. And I wonder if in those moments, if there are any that you've identified if you would want to take a stance and stand up to those lies and go, no, you're wrong. God is for me. I'm good enough. Jesus has died for me and I've been accepted into the kingdom. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk for more information.